0: Whoa. Free weed Free weed Danny Danko on the Normal Radio Free weed Free weed oh, Danny Danko come to show you how we go! You're now tuned into Free weed from Danny Danko On Normal Radio Presented by High Times Magazine Simiase, boom bang, big respects Simiase, Danny Danko Yes, indeed. Free Weed is back and better than ever, but we are... Potentially better than ever. May,
1: we <laughs> we it hope. It remains to be seen.
0: We hope. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, we know there's been a long uh, distance between the last show and this one. And thank you to DJ Jacques and Strong for the wonderful tune. Uh, we have... A, a lot of stuff has happened between the last... Many things have, have happened. Pot has, was legalized in Colorado mm-hmm. and Washington State. Uh, New York was inundated with a storm. Uh, yeah. As yeah. if we needed another disaster here in this city.
1: Well, that, that, that's exactly why it's been a little while since we've uh, spoken to you. We had a uh, Sandy, the hurricane blew through here. We were without power for an entire week at yeah. High Times
0: headquarters. No power uh, at the headquarters. And definitely, uh, you know, people who worked here also had some suffering as far as no power and some flooding. At their cribs as well. So yeah, and then and we then went
1: to Amsterdam the 25th for the twenty fifth Cannabis Cup. Cannabis yeah.
0: Cup in Amsterdam. We were trying to get a show out before that, and we actually taped uh, an interview that'll be on later with uh, Scott from Rare Dankness. And, uh, yeah, we're just excited to be back. And we taped a couple of shows in Amsterdam as well, live yeah, with a studio audience. Two live Free weeds. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, and They're those gonna... will be released in the near future as well. So we're, you know, we're back, and, and it's Free Weed 2.0. That's
1: right. So today uh, we have that interview with Scott from Rare Dankness, who actually won a couple of cups at the 25th Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam. So we'll bring that to you. Uh, we also have a great cultivation segment where Dan's going to talk a bit about composting and, of course, your questions and answers. And our own Craig Coffee is going to come on and talk about the intake process and judging in Amsterdam. And we'll discuss all the winners and the highlights. Right?
0: Absolutely. We're we're just excited to be be back from uh, a, just a wonderful Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam, honoring Stephen Hager, who we had on the last uh, episode, as well as Mason Tivert, our Freedom Fighter of the Year, also a free weed. Uh, uh, past person <laughs> past guest yes and guest. uh yeah and and we I, I got to give an award to noel van shake and uh Bernard bruning who basically kickstarted the whole uh dutch coffee shop and seed company scene so that was exciting that was our dutch masters award so yeah we're, we're in for a great show and uh stick with us we'll be right back after the break
1: Everybody. Um, this is Mike, and we're in the studio here with Jen Bernstein, and we're pretty excited to announce that she has her own show now.
2: Yay! Yay! Thanks to uh, Danny Danko and Mike Hughes for definitely... I would
1: say primarily Mike Hughes. <laughs> primary,
2: all right. Uh, you know, for, um, for inviting me and, you know, setting, setting the pace good you guys are doing great work and i'm a i was a fan of free Weed, uh, since its inception
1: yeah she's been on a number of times and has added the music element and now she's getting a spin-off show so what's what's the show called
2: drum roll. It's uh, Jen's Music Stash, and it's High Times Presents, Jen's Music Stash, and primarily we're talking about music and rocking out and sneaking backstage. <laughs>
0: smoking out the Smoking the out band. the bands. <laughs> uh,
2: what it's like to be a High Times employee and always be holding.
1: <laughs> and it's it's cool, you know. We're sort of trying to start this High Times podcast network, and um, maybe Dan will be good enough to come on the staff. Oh, Dan, would you
2: come on? Would oh, you, of course. Uh, hang of out, of course. Because you you um you also love music. And, I do. Uh, being from like the Boston area, who did you used to go see?
0: Well, I saw a bunch of different. I mean, I saw a bunch of hip hop, but I saw a bunch of uh, hardcore and a bunch of jam bands. I mean, my my. My music taste runs the gamut, pretty much throughout through a bunch of different genres of music. I mean, I worked for Relics for a little while, mm-hmm. and I yep. was fairly well steeped in the jam band scene in New York when. Uh, a bit of the nitrous scene too, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Potentially, <laughs> but uh, you know, like the Wetlands thing that yeah. was going on here in the '90s. So and you're stuff.
2: you're old school. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw the Dead with Jerry.
2: No, uh, that's <laughs> awesome. In
0: uh, in Boston Garden. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've seen a bunch of those bands. I had a lot of, a lot of fun uh, in those backstage type situations. So it's really cool that you have a show about that. And, yeah, I mean, your area of expertise is primarily like jam bands, right?
2: Yeah, jam bands and rock. And, rock. Uh, yeah, yeah just so
0: had a, did a thing with Led Zeppelin. Yeah,
2: I got to go to a Led Zeppelin <laughs> press conference nice. and... Uh, You know, we covered Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and now we're just, you know, we're also going to focus on, you know, up-and-coming bands, too, and hopefully uh, get to promote some bands of the month. All all sorts
1: of music there, and uh, I am also on that show, so that's exciting. And, uh, Jen, where can people find this show?
2: Well, we are on the Twitter, uh, (laughs) at jbmusicstash, or you can find us on Instagram, also, and on Facebook, I really like Facebook. So if you want to interact with us that way, that's cool. It's just High Times presents Jen's Music Stash. So we'll, we'll see you on online.
0: Yeah, cool. also this uh, is exciting. We're like starting a network. Basically, we have two shows, and and we're growing the High Times podcasting. Yeah, network. we're gonna
1: we're gonna get there. If you want to actually listen to Jen's show, uh, HighTimes dot com slash the stash. And uh, yeah, we have a episode. We have two episodes uh, right on now.
0: iTunes too, right? Eventually, you well, will be able to that. do that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, awesome.
2: <laughs> so, uh, big thanks to Danny Danko and Mike Hughes.
0: Right on.
1: Right on, Jen. Thanks for stopping by, everybody. Please go check that show out and uh, stick around. We'll be right back with more free weed from Danny Danko. Hey everybody, welcome back. Um, We're excited to have Craig Coffey in uh, the studio right now. Usually, he is the director of technology, but uh, during these cups, he has been...
3: The master of ceremonies. The The guy doing intake.
1: The master of ceremonies and in charge of judging and registration and all these things. So, uh, we're going to discuss how all of that went at the 25th Cup in Amsterdam. Thanks for joining us, Craig.
3: No problem. Actually, I think the official title while I'm there is uh, competition coordinator.
0: (laughs) Competition coordinator. And basically that requires uh, taking in all of the different entries and and assigning them to the different uh, expert judges and and that sort of thing. Uh, You get to meet all of the quirky Uh, coffee shop owners and seed company owners and stuff out there that's that's probably pretty fun yeah Yeah. so
1: just let me just uh, break this down really quick for the people who may not know basically uh you have to enter weed into this competition for it to be judged and someone from high times has to be there to accept it so craig is the guy who uh, sees all of the pot first and uh you know breaks it down and gets it to the judges how did the the weed that was entered in this competition stack up against past years
3: Against past Amsterdam Cups, it, it was great. You know, there's always progression there. I've never seen it take a step backwards, especially in the past four or five years since uh, people have been bringing in like the Cali Kushes and stuff like that. You know, Kush out there used to be pretty rare, and now it's just a staple. Even in the coffee shops, you can go and get a pretty fantastic Kush now.
0: Very nice, yeah. And yeah, so I would, I would second that as well. The quality uh, from from the you know the top end shops and you know the seed companies is just ever improving. Um, because you know they're all really in competition for the best, and and you actually you you were a judge for the indica category. I did. I judge the indica category along with a couple of other people, and uh, a good category this year. Yeah, it was great. It was really great. It was a lot of fun to to participate in that. Um, and there was hybrids, and there was sativas, and and then you know obviously everyone there is judging the uh, the full cannabis cup, which is the coffee shop cup. And uh, yeah, and there was a few surprises too, as well in some of these results, which is, was pretty interesting. A lot of uh, people from the states coming in and winning seed company awards, which was you know great and shows the progression of uh, cannabis in California and Colorado in particular as well as Oregon. And
1: yeah. well, let's talk uh, winners here, Craig, why don't, you, uh, why don't you break down some of the categories and
0: let us know what you thought of these guys.
3: Yeah, we, let's start with Indica uh, since Danny. It was Danny's category. Um, first place, we had the Kosher Kush from Reserva Pravada.
0: That is a strain that just keeps winning. I mean, I don't know exactly how many cups it's won. Uh, I but think it
3: was the third in a row. I don't want to misquote. but Third I'm in sure a three. row, and I
0: mean, it's just.
3: Uh, and they take Spanibus. They, they, they do all that. Like, right. right. Those
0: were the
1: guys there. that made us change the rules last year because <laughs> they had the two entries, right? Yeah, so right.
0: yeah, yeah. Reserva Pravada DNA Genetics uh, offshoot, Cold Creek Kush, yeah. and the Kosher Kush. Yeah. Is that right? Right and uh, yeah, congratulations to them on a first place win for the kosher And again. you know
3: they they won with that, but it was a tight category. The other two second and third place were nothing to sneeze at either. You got the true OG from Elemental Seeds and the that was a great the San Fernando Valley OG from uh, SSB OG Kush from from Cali Connection. Yeah,
0: sort shouts to Swerve. You know
3: any like, one of those three could have easily come in first and nobody would have complained about it.
0: All cushes, you know, too. Like right there, Kush, 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 first, second, and third. So
1: so wait, now you two were in the room basically. If you're listening to this at home. Uh, the judges, they, they sample this stuff, and then they have to meet with our competition director, who is Craig, and they basically discuss uh, who they thought should win, and it's uh, decided in that room. So you guys were there. Uh, was there any controversy here, or was it pretty straightforward, one, two, three?
0: You know, uh, for that category, it was really straightforward for me. Um, you know, we also have the lab results, the THC, CBD, CBN, and, and, and so forth, and that really helps out when there's any kind of uh, an issue because you can take a look at that and you can see, okay, this is 26% and that was 17%. And, you know, th- it plays a role. You know, it's not the the deciding factor, but it, it definitely plays a role in having those lab results as well as the human sort of interactions. Now, our,
3: our judges spend an, uh, a week with these these samples. Uh, I think there was 26 in your category, maybe 27. Right, 26 categories. And, uh, uh, they, come and to a, they come to our meeting and we just determine each judge's top four or five and look at them and uh, then we look at the lab scores, which counts for about 30% of the total score. So at the end of the day, it's always a human decision. But yeah, the lab is a big guide for us.
0: Yeah, and as, as someone who's done this for I don't know how many years, but many years, I've, I've seen it progress into a really, um, you know, very much more scientific than it used to be. And each year, it becomes uh, more and more of a... Of a really a tight ship as far as the way the judging is, is accomplished. And, yeah, you and that's wanna... important because these seed companies, you know, th- it, it's life-changing for them when they win a cannabis cup. So, absolutely, you know, you don't want to get it wrong.
1: And you don't want to lose that, that human element, but it's great to have as many uh, different things to help you get to that decision. So the lab results are key. Uh, what's the next category there you want to talk about?
3: Yeah, the next category is Sativa Cup seed company. Um, in first place, we were looking with the, uh, the Amnesia Haze from Soma Seeds.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I got stuff. to smoke some yeah. of that. And I think two out of the three judges had that as their first place or, or something yeah, and like and that. The, so it was pretty obvious. I remember correctly,
3: it also crushed it on the labs. It was just one of those.
0: Oh, yeah. That's great, too, for Soma because uh, he always comes correct with amazing sativism. Yeah. In- and then
3: we had in that category second place uh, Sour Amnesia from Horta Lab, and third place Green Shack from Green, our uh, Strain Hunters. Pardon me, Strain Hunters Seed Bank.
0: Yeah, which is uh, obviously affiliated with greenhouse seeds. And yeah, Arion.
3: you know that says a lot too, because uh, you know he's a perennial coffee shop winner, and a lot of people think there's monkey business going on there, but this is a pure blind contest, and Absolutely. he's placed here. So
1: Craig, just real quick, uh, what what popped off the charts with the lab results? Like, what kind of THC percentages were you seeing with some of these?
3: Um, it, it, the average was in the high teens. Um, wow, yeah. There was a, you know, like maybe a third of it was below 15%, and not very many of those strains did well in this competition. A few things were approaching 24%, 25 26%. Wow. Now, yeah. how,
1: how does that stack up against some of the stuff you've been seeing in the states? Because you did this in Seattle as well, right? I,
3: I have done intake in Seattle, and I've judged in Colorado, and, um, you know, judging by our numbers and lab results so far, you know, I, I hope I don't piss anybody off by saying this, but Colorado is the king of potency.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to hybrids. Yeah. Um, first place was Loud Scout from Loud Seeds. They're yeah, that's a first, newcomer, huh? First time winners from the Cali area. And,
3: and that was another cushy flavor. That was just like a if I'm, I hope I'm remembering the right one. Yeah. They smoked so much pot over there. They all kind of <laughs> run into each other, you know, it's. It takes a real special kind of memory to distinguish 40 different strains that you smoke and have <laughs> mental notes in them all.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, second was Rock uh, Rockstar rock from Banguru Seeds, which is a Cincy Star Cross. And a uh, shout-out to Banguru for taking second place in the hybrid category. And uh, third, Rugburn OG from Rare Dankness Rare Seeds. Rare Dankness. Yeah. And uh, we have Scott on the show later uh, in an interview that was taped before the Cannabis Cup. So, um, shout-out so to Scott. So, do either
1: you remember that one? What was that like?
3: The Rugburn was fantastic. You know, the Rare Dankness, they just do it right. Everything they enter. Those guys are less concerned with wins and, uh, than they are with putting out a quality product. So, you know, you're not going to go wrong with pretty much anything that they put out. That was some fantastic pot, I thought.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, he comes correct. And what's that, what's interesting uh, I'll mention is that now he's won awards in the Indica, Sativa, Hybrid, and Hash categories of different cannabis cups. So it's really a well-rounded sort yeah, there, of arsenal. There aren't too
1: many people who can say that. That's very impressive.
0: Yeah, yeah. And only in the past year. Yeah. yeah you know, he's, <laughs> he's on the map right now. Yeah, um, absolutely.
1: So what, what was the most uh, contentious category? Was there one that stood out as uh, not being very straightforward as far as judging?
3: Um, all the categories, it was pretty easy to determine the first place winner. Um, our judges didn't stray far from each other in that aspect. But second and third is always like more of a battle. You know, especially once you determine which one is, you know, which two strains are going to be second and third. And then you got to rank them because up at the top, the top five, honestly, in most of these contests, it could be anybody's game. Um, There's seldom is shitty weed entered in these contests. Oh, sure. And like when you get to the point of figuring out second and third, it's like, you know, trying to choose between like a Ferrari and a Porsche or something like that. You know, (laughs) it really is tough. It's, you know.
1: uh, Well, just real quick, what are are you looking for when you're judging this uh, from the human aspect of it as opposed to the lab?
3: Yeah, the judges are looking at um, the aesthetic quality of the weed, how it looks, you know, how the trim was, the flavor, uh, the high. Not so much the potency, but the high, you know, how it made them feel. um, And uh, the labs kind of handle the potency. And the reason we do it that way is because it's really difficult to expect a judge to smoke 10 or 15 samples a day and have any idea which was the strongest. It's just not... uh, it's not a responsible way to run a contest. You know, we got to let the labs figure that out for us.
1: Right on. All right. Well, let's let's move on to the hash category.
0: Yeah, and uh, seed company hash in particular. I mean, uh, you know, the coffee shops enter their nader and 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 their um, import import. Mm-hmm. But the seed company hash category has just become.
3: That's my favorite category. I, I mean, that's where the now. BHOS <laughs> are. That's
0: where the ice wax is. That's where the shatter the. You know the dabs all that stuff that's where those usually come in now and that that's been a new thing just maybe in the past three or four cups that we've done I think yeah, yeah. so uh,
1: so how did this category
0: go
3: that yeah, was great um once again this is another one of those categories where there were five things that could have been in the top three it was just tough but um, I think my judges did a great job on this one In first place they came up with the the wheezy from Reserva Pravada. Which was like, you know, when I hit that, and it literally made me sweat from the top of my scalp. <laughs> it was just crazy, crazy. Cold. Yeah, Weezy, and Weezy he's was there. An, and Weezy he was very
0: excited. Expert. He's an expert. Yeah, uh, and he knows what he's doing. That guy's just maker.
3: genius when it when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. You know? And then yeah. we had second place, a tangerine compound, rare dankness once again. Again, rare dankness. And that stuff was fire. It was like an OG Kush uh, shatter. It looked like amber. It oh was fantastic. God. We, I would have brought.
1: And geez, I know, the Weezy I was the Weezy, um, what, waxy as opposed to shatter. Yeah, the the
3: Wheezy was sort of a like a like a waxy buttery kind of consistency. Yeah.
0: And okay. third, the tangy from the DNA Tan- Genetics oh. shouts uh, to down. DNA crushed it, huh? Yeah. Every time. I mean, yeah, they a lot of that. guys
3: bring American genetics to this uh, European cup and do well with it and that's just been their specialty. That's what they do, you know, they find the best here. They enter things that could win in our most pre- prestigious American cups. To yeah. Amsterdam. yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, okay, so those just, uh, if you're unfamiliar with how all this works, uh, those are the categories that our judges are responsible for looking at. And then those are the seed company categories. And then we also have the coffee shop categories, and that breaks down to import hash, uh, netter hash, which is hash from the Netherlands. And then, of course, uh, the coffee shop cannabis
0: cup. So how did that go? Well, you know, one thing I would note is technically... All these dabs and stuff could be import hash (laughs) at this point because they're from the States or Canada. America should
3: be running the import (laughs) hash. Yeah, it really
1: ought to.
0: (laughs) And uh, um, I thought that the cannabis cup, the flower bomb kush from Greenhouse uh, was a great strain. I got to try it at the Greenhouse. Um, You actually
1: smoked it at the Greenhouse. I did. Flower bomb
0: kush. It was, you know, it was just like a kush you would have in the States. The shoreline shoreline was oh. second place from green place incredible is that
1: all a good awe
3: it's oh, yeah. hard to believe that they're selling pot that good in a coffee shop yeah, yeah because anybody can just to... walk in and
0: buy shoreline like a gram at right. green place we're
1: used to the quality of that pot not being as good but it seems this year well, the, it was... the coffee
3: shops you know in all fairness they, they're up against a big challenge they have mm-hmm. to figure out how to get kilos of weed and when you're trying to get something in that quantity it becomes much more difficult to get high quality you know they're feeding the masses so, right, uh, so it's
1: not like a, a head stash that the seed companies can bring to you. This is stuff that they right. have to the grow a ton of. Seed companies
3: grow very small <coughs> batches specifically to enter the cup. The coffee shops have to gather enough of an entry to sell to three, four, maybe five thousand judges. You know, it's
2: yeah.
1: And then uh, these people are all voting on their favorite strains, which actually you set up uh, with. Uh, we had iPads that yeah. were they're that handling. That simplifies the, everything. The, yeah. We used Very to have cool. to
0: count those ballots and the new high bold system. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, third yeah. place, we should definitely uh, not forget the Ever Gray from the Gray Area. Shout, yeah, to shout gray out to area. The Gray Area. It's another good American. A shop. tiny yeah. shop with great weed. But
1: they and represent every year.
0: Every year, but you know it's just tough to get people in and out of there like you can with a bigger place. And yeah. so for them to to place in third just goes to show how good the bud at gray area is so shouts to green man, house green place and gray area i always
3: wondered if gray area had won what we would do for the 420 ceremony today. <laughs> <But> there's <laughs> only room for like five point. people in there man right right well you just take
0: over the whole street out in front and there's that big head statue right there yeah. Right? yeah well
1: craig craig's referring to the traditional uh gathering at the winning coffee shop the the following day at 420 and yeah gray area is far too small to accommodate that kind of a group but uh let, let's move on to uh, import hash how'd that do
0: Import hash was, first place, uh, Sharkberry Cream from the Greenhouse Coffee Shop. Uh, Second place, Twizzler from the Green Place. And third was Morocco Lemon Haze from the Bush Doctor.
1: Any of those stand out to either of you
0: guys? You know, I I was concentrating so much on Indica's, I really never got a chance to smoke any of the imports. And when I did, they were labeled as number one, number Number two, number number three. It's a blind uh, blind judging. Yeah, I really usually try to take some time and and smoke some of uh, some of that import because i love those moroccan the and,
3: import hash is rare for us you know like yeah, a lot of the stuff we that's don't get that in the company. states we see here but you never see that stuff there
0: yeah so
1: no what just for people listening what, what's the difference there
0: import is brought to holland from somewhere else morocco uh well no i mean craig uh, is
1: saying that that we have all the uh, the bho's and all that when you're talking about the import hash being a rare treat why is that well it, like
3: technically you could have bho's entered in the import hash but it hasn't happened yet <laughs> But they, I mean, it's it's just a variety. We don't get access to uh, Middle Eastern or or North African hash in, in the United States very very I think, rarely. Yeah, you know,
0: Europeans like, gobble all that up before it has a chance to make it here. I mean, you know, obviously there's going to be little bits and, and chunks here and there that make their way to but, the states. But to
3: me, that category is so special because for once a year, I get to look at fifteen of them all at once in one place, oh, yeah. and they right. they're, they're yeah. what the coffee shops presume is the best stuff that they could find too. So. So did yeah. you
1: get, a, get to sample any of the winners there in that category? I,
3: I did. You know, the Moroc Lemon was fantastic from Bush It Doctor. looked great. Yeah. yeah, it was really good. And, you know, like uh, th- that's one category, too, that the big perennial shops, you know, they, they get a lot of heat for winning every year, the coffee shop cup, but they really do come through with the nice hash because they have the connections and the resources to get it, you know, and, and that's a big part of this game.
0: So the other category is Nader Hash, mm-hmm. and that uh, is hash that's made in Holland, basically, using bubble bags or dry sieve methods. Uh, first place in that went to Lemon Crystal from Greenhouse Coffee Shop, basically a yeah, big, greenhouse. Big sweep did for greenhouse. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, second place, Gray Crystal from the Gray Area, uh, and third place was the Moji from the Green Place. So.
1: And now you're not going to see a lot of the BHOs in these categories because that is considered a manufactured narcotic in Holland. Is that it's right? Illegal, it's technically yeah. illegal yeah. in Holland. So. So yeah. Although
3: I, I will say that one unnamed shop was actually selling a solvent hash
1: the one unnamed i'm not gonna say it because oh oh, okay i got you yeah
0: we're not dry snitching on here (laughs) good good point but there was a shop there's probably more than one shop selling that uh
3: it was expensive (laughs) (laughs) well
1: awesome man thanks so much for for coming on man that's that's really good information and you did a tremendous job as the competition director so yeah uh, i I just want to
3: thank everybody who entered in this thing too it was really great meeting all those guys and you know, there's so many special people in this industry, and to have a chance to spend two days like going through all their best stuff is is a really unique experience for anybody. You know, I'm pretty honored to, to be able to do that.
1: That's great. Yeah, there it was are. a it was a special cup, and it went very well. So, congratulations to you and. Uh,
3: well, the
0: other thing I would say uh, in regards to the BHO being illegal is I think that the, the, the edibles are illegal too. So we really yeah, didn't we get, didn't have that category. We didn't have that edible category. So
1: oh, but we did have a CBD category. What was That's the right. winner there?
3: Oh yeah, this, the CBD award went to Lions Tabernacle from Cali Connection. Swerve. And uh, Swerve, once again, yeah. I don't want to be misquoted, but I believe that was like a sixteen and a half percent CBD. Which is unbelievable, 16.5% right? Sixteen and a half percent
0: CBD. Shout out to Swerve. Oh, that's that's Adam some medicinal stuff right
1: there. All right, well, very cool. Thanks for coming on, Craig. I appreciate oh, thank you guys,
3: that, man. Thank right. you
1: very much. Well, stick around. We'll be right back with our pre-recorded interview with Scott from Rare Dankness. Winner.
0: Hey you guys, here's the deal. You can build a whole room into a grow room or you can convert a closet into a grow room or you can purchase a grow box, which is a grow room all built together. You don't have to worry about the electric. You don't have to worry about uh, how you're going to clean the air. You don't have to worry about the timing of the pumps or the lights or anything. BC Northern Lights makes these grow boxes. You can call them up at 888-236-1266 Or go to bcnorthernlights.com. For a limited time, if you mention free weed, they're actually going to give you a $100 in shipping costs. And these things are big. They roll around on wheels, okay? You can put it in your carport or garage. You can put it in... It's weird you went right to carport (laughs) as opposed to garage. You can put it in a spare room. You can roll it around to wherever you need it to be. It fits right through... Uh, any kind of standard door. How much weed
1: uh, could you expect to harvest out of something like
0: this? You know, it really depends on, uh, you know, how good you grow. But there's no reason why you shouldn't be getting uh, a quarter pound to a pound out of uh, almost any one of these machines. That's pretty good. And the producer, you could be getting two pounds plus out of that thing on a regular basis. Everything's automated, touch screen stuff. You don't have to worry about anything. Tell them free weed sent you. You get free nutrients, too, for a year. Maybe six months. I'm not sure. One of those. They make them right there in Vancouver, Canada. I've seen the factory. You can check them out on YouTube. You can see them being built. They're rad. bcnorthernlights.com, 888-236-1266.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, we have a really, really cool interview to play for you guys right now, but we, we recorded it a couple weeks ago, right Dan?
0: Yeah, it was prior to the Cannabis Cup, it's with Scott from Rare Dankness, and uh, interesting fact, he went on to win two more awards at the Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam, so.
1: Yeah, his, his uh, trophy shelf I think is getting pretty crowded. He took third place in hybrid with the Rugburn OG, and then second place in the hash category for Tangerine Compound, so congratulations to Scott. Yeah.
0: What's cool about that, too, is he won, uh, prior to this, he won an Indica and he won a Sativa. So it's really like a, a sweep of the uh, seed company awards that and He's are got available. them all. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. amazing. And, uh, and all within like a year.
1: Yeah. He, he's on the scene in a big way. So uh, let's play this interview and see what he has to say.
0: All right. We are back and we have a special guest who has been on the show before, but it's here in the studio with us. It
4: is Scott from Rare Dankness. Hey, everybody. How are you? I'm doing really well. Right on. Um, visiting New York City, yeah? Huh? Yeah, enjoying it. Um, my, We have family and friends out in uh, East Hampton, so we uh, brought the wife and the kids out and just spending a nice week relaxing. Excellent. Excellent. Love the Hamptons. Yeah, man. <laughs> um,
0: now, if people don't know the story, uh, I, a few years back, I think it was maybe oh9 or so, um, I was researching an article called Breeding Denver's Nuggets, and I was looking into Um, the different people different breeders who were in Denver um, doing their thing and Scott was one of those breeders that I wrote about Um, and shortly thereafter at our Los Angeles uh, cannabis cup he won uh, the indica cannabis cup and then um, shortly after that in Amsterdam won the sativa cannabis cup can you tell me a little bit about uh, those strains that won the indica and the sativa
4: yeah, um, in uh, L.A., we had entered uh, Dox OG, which is a cross of uh, the face-off OG, and uh, my RD-1, which is a multiple back-crossed OG with a little bit of cam in it. Um, you know, nice, heavy narcotic stone, uh, classic OG flavor, a little shorter um, uh, internodal spacing, so nicer, tighter uh, buds. Um, really, really high in THC, um, which is kind of what we specialize in. And uh, then for Amsterdam, it was Moonshine Haze, uh, which is a classic back cross of Amnesia Haze, Neville's Haze, and the uh, Arcada Trainwreck uh, E32. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a the the Neville's Trainwreck is one of my signature strains that I've been doing since two thousand three. Um, I, have been a friend of Soma's for, uh, you know, 10 years. I've bought multiple, multiple packs of amnesia over the years. And I just have this, you know, fantastic amnesia mother that I was trying to, uh, you know, bring the seed for him to, you know, honor him a little bit and, uh, um it did it did really well not only did it win the cup it got soma's nod of approval which is you know, <laughs> yeah, one of I the heard biggest that, things
0: uh, when you showed him your entry he said oh i'm in trouble yeah yeah it was
4: kind of <laughs> funny i i rolled one up for him and he was like i gotta go up against this this year and i was like yes sir and he was like damn <laughs> well
0: i mean you you know you're paying tribute to him as well when you're doing that so yeah, it's man. great and um you know we always need people to take those things and and refine them to a different level find those those hidden phenotypes you know that are out there but um you know might be
4: lost to the masses and and bring it out yeah man most definitely i mean that's that's ultimately what breeding is about is uh you know taking your plants and putting your own special twist on them and hopefully people appreciate what you've done with it yeah, and
1: that, that moment in uh, in Amsterdam is one of Dan's favorite cannabis cup moments where he got to hand you that <laughs> cup. He was uh, very excited about yeah, that,
4: that. That's a pretty classic YouTube video at this point. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, there's a, there's a moment when you call out rare dankness and it just gets quiet. And then you, just, yeah, you hear me just flipping out <laughs> down front. So. I should yeah. also just
1: say uh, very quickly, welcome to New York. We have a bit of construction noise in the background, so uh, uh, hopefully that's you, not too you. distracting at home. <laughs> but uh,
0: Yeah, they're jackhammering away. Yeah at the building next door so
4: um but how how did your life change after winning these these cups um actually it's it's uh it's been a pretty educational year um you know i've i've been able to uh, take time to you know step back away from being a commercial grower uh to really focus on just uh you know breeding for the love of the plant and producing seeds for the love of the plant um you know, I've been able to spend more time with my family, uh, you know, take my kids to places that, you know, I, I never got to go as a, you know, little, uh, single, um, a single a kid from a single mom growing up in the South. Um, so that's been it's been really nice to, you know, culture my kids. Um but at the same time i mean as much love as i get you know you get those occasional haters out there and you know i'm i'm human you know i make mistakes and you know sometimes when people throw stuff in your face it just it hurts you
1: know how do you deal with the the haters i mean it must be pretty difficult
4: um well you know you get up every day and you do the best you can and you just try not to worry about them you know um but you know like facebook with the social media that's out today i mean uh, I'm one of the few breeders that doesn't hide behind, uh, you know, my online name. Um, pretty much everybody that knows me knows me. Um, and, you know, when you, get, when you can hide behind a 17-inch screen or a 15-inch screen and, you know, sl- slander somebody or make attacks at their family, I mean, it's, it's easy to do. And it's just, you know, it's, it's part of the game, I guess.
0: Yeah, but probably not something you you really expected. <laughs> yeah, not people really coming man. out of the woodwork and stuff. Yeah, you know,
4: and, and, f- and I can say honestly, for every hundred uh, people that hit me up for support and tell me how I've changed their lives and how you know I've given them medicine that you know has made them be able to bear the day, uh, you know, I only get like one or two of those hate mails. So. Yeah, yeah. Just plus know, those outweigh the minuses. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely now uh you mentioned a little
0: bit about some breeding uh do you have any new strains coming out
4: oh we always have new stuff um i'm gonna introduce a new strain for the cup uh called leroy uh which pays tribute to my grandfather um i was i was brought up in a uh, you know fairly poor family in the south and my granddad ran a a pretty big garden so that's where my green thumb comes from it's just spending years and years helping my granddad you know tend vegetables Mm. and uh You know i came up with this new og that's a it's a a a pretty much an inbred line at this point um of the triangle kush and uh uh, my rd2 um and it's just a spectacular plant right now river rock has it on their shelves or is going to have it on their shelves um real high thc classic uh og kush flavor and it, it a lot of the phenotypes purple up which is a nice you know nice touch people love seeing that purple um yeah particularly with a cush strain right yeah yeah um it's but you know i surprised
0: it w- that uh that dox og would win in los angeles too because you know how you know la is, is yeah, yeah, to the, yeah, the og yeah the og is
4: is that, king that was kind of the 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 nice point of going to LA and winning with an OG was, you know, um, California is known for their kush and to be able to go into California and win with a kush that, you know, I bred it, you know, it says you're doing halfway decent work. Yeah. I mean, I would what, say, yeah. what <laughs> is it about g- growers in Colorado?
0: Um, I, it just seems like the quality of the cannabis on,
4: on, on you know, across the board is just usually top notch, you know, um. I learned a little, a little bit this year uh, by, you know, spending time in Spain and uh, running an outdoor garden in Spain um, and seeing a lot of uh, different strains from across the country. Um, where you live and the humidity you're dealing with really determines how good of a cure that you can put on herb. Um, and I don't think there's a climate anywhere in the world except maybe Afghanistan where it matches that high desert plain that colorado is which is just perfect perfect for a cure but um, it's dry though right yeah but you can get herb to a certain dryness and then seal it in a jar and it just holds it you know and wow the the, the longer and more steady that that humidity is um, you know i think it just it really makes a difference I, I saw some beautiful beautiful buds that um, just would not dry in Spain, you know, and when, mm. when plants just don't dry, I mean, it it, 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 changes, you know, you get a lot more of that chlorophyll f- flavor and, um, you know, the, the turpins don't come, you know, out so crisp.
0: Hmm.
1: Well, and speaking of, uh, of Colorado marijuana, there was a, a special on 60 minutes. I believe it was the lead story uh, yeah. the other day. And, um, they
0: teased it during the football game. Too, they which
1: did probably got yeah. a lot of Big extra time. viewers for them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you man. actually had a connection to that story, right?
4: Yeah. Um, one of the facilities they walk through um, is a facility that I uh, um, I have a lot of my strains uh, growing out. You know, growing in, in Colorado. Um, quite a few of my mothers are actually housed in there. Um, you know, really good friends. Uh, and then one of the other dispensaries they were interviewing flashed their menu, and uh, our rectangle was up on the menu. So there you know, you go. network cool. television at yeah, yeah, yeah. prime time—that's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, and the cover cool. of
0: Newsweek this week, um, as well, is about you know pot entrepreneurs, and um, I just think it's you know we're we're kind of reaching some sort of tipping point now with the election and everything else going on. And um, <clears throat> what do you? What's your take on all that?
4: Um, I, you know, I. Love every election season that comes around and you see more states and more states going the medical route. Um, this year we have quite a few states that are going some sort of decrim or legalization effort, Colorado being one of them. Um, I'm all for it. You know, like I, I know this plant really has more benefits than it does harms. Um, uh, the first state that allows this to go through and and, and taxes it or regulates it is going to make so much money. I mean, Colorado's already made like thirty million dollars in taxes just from uh, the the industry that we have there. Um, uh, the number that I heard was closer to uh, like forty five or so, with all the uh, license fees that they've collected and and um, OPC fees and you know everything that they're charging for. Um, but you know you'll be able to do so much more for your state with you know funding for schools and funding for infrastructure and. Uh, you know help helping out with social programs and um, you know and not just taking that money and funneling it back into law enforcement you know like that's the most you know ridiculous thing Um, and I think with the situation that we are in uh, economically it makes sense you know like it's it's a great way to you know generate tax dollars create jobs create jobs and honestly the when you start to look past just the medical benefit of it um i mean it's it's the it's the future of of oil it's the future of um you know alternative energy i mean uh housing material and paper and clothing and there's just so much we can do with it that it's just pretty stupid that we're not doing it now (laughs) yeah
0: well i think we're heading in that direction um let's talk a little bit about breeding um we talked about it a little bit but Um, let's actually talk about the actual process. What, what exactly, how do you make cannabis seeds, um, high quality cannabis seeds from two plants or,
4: um, yeah, male and a female. Uh, well, you can do it with a Herm female and and another female, but, uh, traditionally it's with a male and a female plant um there's you're basically taking the pollen from the flowering male uh, there's, there's two ways of doing it you can do it uh, closed pollination or selective pollination which is what you're saying where you flower a male somewhere and you flower your females and you collect the pollen in some sort of uh container and then you use a paintbrush to um, selectively uh, choose buds and apply you know apply the pollen Um, and open pollination, which is where you just have your male in your room with your females and you, you let them do their thing, you know, Mm -hmm. you you play a little, uh, you know, berry white and stuff and just (laughs) let let it go. Um, you know, prime fertilization for, for seeds, the time, you know, for the pollen to hit them is usually between day 24 and day 35 of flower. Um, and at that point you don't want to apply any more pollen because, You'll end up with just more white seeds or more immature seeds or the plant's going to put a lot more effort into creating just seeds that won't get ripe um, if you hit that like prime ovulation window uh, you get really well formed dark striped uh, seeds that are protected by the bud that'll be night you know deep inside the bud um, you know it, it, it's it's fairly easy they you know they do their own thing the big the the hardest challenge is selecting the good plants, you know, selecting good males. And, um, you know, with the laboratories that we have out in Colorado now, we can, you know, look at the scientific side of stuff and look at the hard numbers of CBDs and CBN and THCs. And we can even look at that through through our males. Um, But before that, it was just intuition and then, you know, growing out the offspring to see how they came out. Mm
1: -hmm. And do you kind of miss that aspect of it? Do you wish that it wasn't so
4: science-based? You know, I still still use the intuition quite a bit, you know. Like, there's just, you know, I've always said plants kind of speak to me, you know. And it's just one of those things when you find a good male, like, you know, before you ever know he's a male, like, you know it's a good plant.
1: Yeah, I think that has to be what separates, you know, really elite uh, growers and breeders from, you know, what we would call, I guess, pollen chuckers, right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, uh, intuition. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of uh those derogatory terms for people who are you know i mean honestly they're just experimenting everybody does that yeah. um to kind of to get their feet on the ground but um i guess you'd say that more
4: i, about I, I get called pollen chucker every once in a while it's just like whatever you well, know. I, I doubt that but um <laughs> anyway yeah um but yeah i was uh you know speaking on that kind of that the intuition part um i was hanging out with jorge cervantes uh earlier in the summer and you know for the first couple days we hung out we were introduced through a mutual friend like he didn't know me from anybody you know like he's not up on the internet too much and Mm -hmm. you know he's just you know he's jorge (laughs) and um you know, I was telling him at one point, I was like, I don't want to seem like a freaking, you know, schmoozer or a butt kisser or whatever, but, like, I've read your books, man. I read all your, you know, Ask Jorge things and, you know, high times over the years. And, you know, like, I've used your advice quite a few times. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, no no piece of advice you read anywhere is going to step in for just growing the plants, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, after a couple of days hanging out with him, he came to me and was like, Hey man, I just kind of want to apologize. I didn't realize who you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. He's like, I talked to one of my friends here in Spain and he was like, Oh, you're hanging out with moonshine. You, you know, does he have moonshine haze on him with, you know, with, with him right now? Um, so that was kind of cool, you know, yeah. like, uh, the, the old meeting, the new, <laughs> Right, right, and, <laughs> sure. and, and you mentioned that
0: moonshine thing. I mean, you were heavily involved in the, in the overgrow days, which, uh, if people don't know, it was there was a website that went down, I guess, around oh four. Yeah, four I, right? I think, is when the mounted police
4: seized the surfers. Mm-hmm. But uh,
0: but before that, it was a place where um, a lot of people from all over the world were getting together to chat about breeding. And there was obviously some sharing of genetics and, and, and things that went down back then. Um, could you speak on that a little bit?
4: Yeah. Um, Overgrow, you know, it was overgrow.com. Uh before there was IC mag or before there was roll it up or THC farmer or any of those, there was, that was overgrow and there was very little trolling back in the day, you know, like everybody that was on there was there for a kind of uh, a common purpose, you know, to see this plant, you know, overgrow the world, you know, <laughs> like, um, there used to kind of be this collective thinking that if everybody was doing it, it was harder to rest us all. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and there still is that thinking. And I mean, that's even that's why I, I named the show Free Weed is
0: because if everybody grows it, it's free. Yeah. And you just can't give it to your friends just like any other vegetable and, yeah. uh, and, and taking all of the things that. All of the negativity
4: completely out of it you yeah, know and yeah. just treating it like and the more the, people the see herb, that it's, it is the more the more people see it's harmless the more it's accepted you absolutely. Know? absolutely um and you know overgrow is one of those spots where i mean they sh- there was people from everywhere south africa and australia and japan russia i mean everybody was on this thing and you know showing off huge outdoor grows and greenhouse grows and basement labyrinth grows and um you know, there's a few making people. friends. Yeah, making friends yeah. and making connections so that when you traveled, you could go, like, you know, hang out with somebody who had weed, and you wouldn't be without weed while you are on your travels and <laughs> stuff, you know? And, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of people back then, uh, there was all these myths about clones. Like, when you took a clone, you had to treat it so carefully and get it immediately rooted, and you couldn't stress it at all. And, um, you know, I think there was just a group of people who kind of debunked the myth and, uh, you know, went out of their way to start... Um, taking snips and and you know traveling with them and uh you know get getting them from one side of the country to the other side of the country and you know even though that snip didn't have light for four or five days it survived and all of a sudden there's a you know clone that was a clone only in the west coast that's now a clone only on the east coast and, mm-hmm. um so there was like a lot of really cool you know friendships that were made that way and when overgrow went down you know everybody kind of either moved on or went underground i mean there was a lot of people thought you know, there was going to be thousands and thousands of busts that came from that. Right, and there wasn't. Mm-hmm.
1: It's interesting because it, it sort of um, it combines uh, activism and uh, cultivation, where there seems to be more of a, a divide between the two nowadays. But you yeah. know, back then, yeah, that's that's the perfect uh, combination.
4: Yeah, I mean, you didn't. I mean, back then, the internet was a little less watched as it is mm-hmm. now, and um, you know, you could be this username and you know not worry about your uh, you know real life uh, li- you know getting involved with it or getting harmed from it um nowadays with as many med states as there are and as you know as big brother watches us all i mean there's quite a few people that you know try to hide but really aren't hiding and then those, there's those of us who are just exposed you know Right, and uh, I'm one of those that's just exposed. <laughs> it seems like
1: how there's going to be progress is if you put yourself out there and you yeah. actually yeah yeah so. definitely.
0: We are speaking with Scott from Rare Dankness. Um, what do you see as the future uh, right now? Like
4: what what do you see down the road for? Cannabis? Man, um, with all that's going on in the U.S., I, I honestly I don't have any gut feelings one way or the other. I've kind of got my fingers crossed and I'm holding my breath. Um, as far as Europe goes, uh, Europe seems like um, it's about to change over there. I mean, uh, the whole region around Prague and the Czech Republic, and you know, all that is is starting to open up a little bit.
0: Uh, a lot of the seed guys have been telling me that Eastern Europe is just exploding.
4: Yeah, I mean, flowery fields. Those guys are selling like ten thousand clones a week. You know, like wow, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, they're um, buying seeds by the kilo yeah, instead of you by know, the ten Span- packs. In <laughs> Spain, uh, 58 million auto-flowering feminized seeds were sold in Spain alone last year. Wow. So that's 58 million plants that grew. You know, if the seed cra- Yeah, if the <laughs> seed cracked, it turned into a female. And that's a bud, you know. So um, with as poor as that country is and as divided as it is, I mean, right now the whole northern part of the country could become its own thing the basque region and catalonia Mm -hmm. um and the rest of the country you know is hurting for money i mean really really hurting for money um you know i i I am in valencia when i'm there and you're kind of in this little paradise that doesn't seem to be affected by what is going on with the rest of spain economically right yeah with which is nice for my wife and kids but when you travel outside, and I travel all through the country, um, it, it's really eye-opening. I wow, mean, they're rioting like, the
0: street. Oh, I mean, like,
4: yeah. you know, when they were showing people, like, rioting, there, w- there was just gigantic protest. There is usually very little um, damage that the people are going to do to their own people, private business and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But they attack the cops. They attack the Congress building. I mean, they wow. those people are standing up for, you know— for the amount of unemployment that's there, you know? Right. Like, it's 28% or whatever it is across the board, and it's over 50% for people 22 to 40. Right. They have nothing to do. Nothing to do. I mean, wow.
1: Well we're, we're about uh, 20 minutes in, but um, uh, we, we definitely want to talk about uh, the upcoming cup. And yeah. uh, you plan yeah. on attending. You were saying you were going to uh, enter that new strain. Uh, Leroy? Yeah,
4: we, we have, uh, I think Leroy is going to be our Indica entry. Um, it's basically... Uh, triangle kush crossed with triangle kush crossed with a male that is ghost og ghost og triangle kush triangle kush kim so it's a fairly inbred line at this point um, of, of og um, and it's stellar like it's one of the most unique um, og representative type of strains that's out there and it's it's really strong um, river rock like i said is going to have it on their shelves for their patients pretty soon they're one of the the main guys in denver that are growing that strain right now um for our uh hybrid it's probably going to be scott's og um i've entered that thing in so many cups and i still haven't won anything with it so <laughs> i'm gonna like, keep my fingers crossed on that persistence yeah, yeah persistence sooner <laughs> or later yeah. um haze is either going to be ghost train haze uh moonshine haze or our tangerine train wreck uh and then concentrate's probably going to be uh a tangerine train wreck or scott's og or leroy i i don't know wow yeah and speaking of that what um
0: let's talk a little bit about dabs or bho or shatter uh, or <laughs> what's
4: your uh what's your take on that whole scene everything in moderation yeah um you know i jumped on the freaking dab scene just like everybody else over a year ago Um, as the lab quality came up, it was, it was better than anything that I could make on my own, you know, in house. Um, I got to where I was smoking no flour and smoking all, you know, just oil. And, um, you know, I, am pretty open with my health stuff after going through the, the, you know, cancer battle that I had a couple of years ago. Um, I've been severely, severely depressed and, uh, it seemed like the oil just never allowed me to like get out of that. And um, I went to Spain and for like two months, man, I didn't touch oil and my mood actually elevated. I smoked flowers every single day Mm -hmm. and my mood came back. And I mean, that could have just been being in Spain and eating good food and being in the sun. Um, But I got my hands on some oil while I was there took like you know a couple dabs over a couple days and i swear to god man my mood turned the other direction and you know started going downhill again so i I think everything in moderation is fine you know i can Mm -hmm. have a dab once or twice a week um you know i'm hanging with friends and it's fine but you know all day long every day it's it, I, I just it's not good for me you right. know like it's not it's not my thing anymore mm-hmm.
1: well and that's the thing yeah it affects everybody differently and you know you, you have to see how it affects you and then yeah. act exactly. accordingly
4: exactly I mean it's you know everything in moderation um, honestly I, I'm the key I like keef I like nice hand dry sift keef yeah know? I think that, I think that's when, probably when, the ultimate when you get that stuff to be full melt it's just that's perfection <laughs> Right on um,
0: well where can people find
4: uh, seeds and hats and all the Oh man uh, if they want clothing um, they can hit usually hit up the seed banks and they'll you know they'll hit us up but if you, you can contact us directly at info at raredankness.com if you want you know if you see a shirt or a hoodie or a hat that you want um, For seeds though we don't sell directly. Uh, all our distributors are um, Attitude Seed Bank, uh, Seed Bay. The Seed Depot, uh, High Life Seeds, Odyssey Seeds. I mean, we're sold by, you know, a bunch of places nowadays.
1: Also, I just want to mention, I know uh, listeners were probably salivating as you went through your list of entries for the uh, Cannabis Cup. So um, there's going to be some great pot in Amsterdam this year. It's the 25th Cup, so uh, please do come out to it. For information, you can go to CannabisCup.com. Dan will be doing seminars there. Are you going to take part in any of that?
4: I don't know am I I think you <laughs> I <laughs> hope you are <laughs> that would be great yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have three different uh, days that I'm doing that So we'll last that. year I got to Amsterdam uh, hung out for like two days and then took the wife to Germany for like two days and oh nice you know when I got back everybody's like where have you been <laughs> so th- this year it'll be you know I'll be there the full time boots on the ground yeah yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool
1: well thanks so much for uh, for stopping by It's great to thank have you
0: thank you for having me excellent All right on. and uh, we'll see you guys in Amsterdam <laughs> yeah,
4: thanks man
1: all right. Well, it was it was really cool to hear from Scott, and uh, again, congratulations to him on some big wins over there in Amsterdam. And uh, now, what do you think, Dan? Should we move on to our cultivation segment?
0: Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Uh, That starts with the strain of the week. It certainly does. And the strain this week is Shiatsu from BC Bud Depot. And this comes from pretty rare genetics, which is really cool. This is from Japanese growers on the island of Amami Oshima. And uh, there, it's very underground there. The whole growing scene is very...
1: um there's know, some stiff penalties if you get caught there, absolutely,
0: right? Absolutely, absolutely. So they have to proceed with extreme caution. But they do have super secret uh, harvest festival. And apparently this uh, shiatsu scored really well and uh, is won gold at those. And um, Matt from BC Bud Depot was able to acquire a cut of that and uh, stabilize it. And it's pretty interesting. It's definitely, I mean, you got to put it on the indica side. It's got a flowering time of about 50 to 56 days, a really heavy narcotic stone, um, definitely got medicinal benefits, which is really important for people uh, using marijuana medicinally, releasing stress, um, soothing tense bodies, very, very much a body high. Um, the taste is pretty hard to place. Um, it's got the familiar diesel fuel and pine that you know from the real cushes that we have. But then it's got these exotic notes of, like, vanilla and cedar. Uh, I'm not trying to geek out on it too much, but it's really nice. So shout-out to BC Bud Depot uh, for the Shiatsu Kush, our strain of the week. And you can contact them at bcbuddepot.com.
1: Yeah, so check that out. And, uh, of course, this and all our other strains of the week are on hightimes.com, so you can get more information there. And if you're really into it, you can go and pick up Dan's Field Guide to Marijuana Strains at headshop.hightimes.com, and that has some great uh, photos and information about all these different strains. So check that out. And uh, why don't you and I move on to our tip of the week?
0: All right. Well, this week, I decided to uh, expound a little bit about composting. Now... Uh, not every grower is going to benefit, especially an indoor micro grower, not really going to benefit too much from composting. But if you grow anything outdoors or in a greenhouse, um, and there are indoor applications as well for compost tea. So uh, even if you don't grow, it's important to compost because it's a good way to get rid of uh, food scraps and things like banana peels and all kinds of stuff. And you can do it even in an urban environment if you have one of those uh you know tumblers you can buy. Um, I have one on my roof deck, and I just fill it with leaves. The key to composting is uh, about 30, 30 uh, carbon to one nitrogen, and the nitrogen would be like.
1: Now, what exactly does that mean?
0: Yeah, well, carbon is like the brown matter, like uh, dead leaves and hay and straw things like that. Um, that that's really got a lot of carbon, but not a lot of moisture, and it's not going to heat up the way that uh, things that you know, break down quickly, uh, banana peels, eggshells, uh, coffee grounds, all of those things that you have in the kitchen aside from meat products. Um, because a lot of times the oils and, and stuff, uh, you know, you, you can't use like cat turds or anything like that, but I mean, any anything... important safety tip, no cat turds, <laughs> but I mean, every time you cut up an onion, you know, there's the peel of the onion, there's the pieces that you, you chop off the ends. There's always the, you know, the green from the carrots. There's always so many scraps there and rather than putting those into your garbage you can actually benefit from those your pot plants and your regular house plants can benefit from composting as long as it's done right and and there's a lot of uh leeway in done right i mean uh, everything will eventually compost it's kind of the way of the world in the fall the the leaves fall to the ground and animals die and everything is composted back into soil uh, pretty quickly out in the wild. If you just uh, observe a forest over several generations, you'll see composting in action. And so really you're just either accelerating the process or slowing it down, but ideally accelerating it. And ideally what happens is if you have those nitrogens in there uh, at one part to 30 to the carbons, they start to break down. As long as they have access to oxygen, they'll break down very quickly. And what happens is they'll heat up and it'll actually you'll have like warmth inside the compost pile as it's breaking down and bugs are there breaking it down. And there's all these microorganisms that, uh, break it down. And it's really, it's an interesting process. It's the decay leading to life. And what happens is what, once it's done, uh, decaying, you have, you know, nature's perfect nutrient. It's mild. It, uh, feeds the plants as well as, uh, it feeds the soil. Uh, it, it, Encourages uh, microbial activity that's beneficial to your plants. Uh, if you make a compost tea out of the compost, once it's you know uh, finished its composting process, you have an amazingly beneficial uh, liquid nutrient that you can use. You oxygenate that overnight for 24 hours, uh, and you steep it just like a bag of uh, you know like a tea bag. Um, but larger in a you know five gallon bucket or larger and you have this incredible free nutrient that you created from the scraps. Um, so what I would recommend is if you have room for a pile, you know all your leaves in the fall, you throw that in the pile and then slowly but surely you just start adding all your kitchen scraps and stir it around. you know every day uh, you, you know give it a, a, a stir so that the stuff from the bottom gets to the top and so that any heat that's generated in the middle, Uh, will dissipate outward, and and you'll have it break down a lot faster. Now, if you leave it to its own devices, it'll break down too, uh, just much slower and not at as high temperatures. And the high temperatures are important if you're growing cannabis because if you're using leaf scraps that might have bugs on them, you really want the compost pile to heat up uh, above 180 or more in the center in order to kill off that. And uh, if you throw weeds into the compost pile as well, you really want to kill off... Any kind of uh, um, seeds or spores that you might have in there. So heat is important, and I mean compost piles can be huge. You know, I've seen people with tractors um, and forklifts, you know, stirring their compost piles out in fields, and it really—that's how you get a loam, you know, which is really the ideal soil. And I also believe in sheet composting and layer composting, where you're just adding it on top. You don't have to till soil after. You, know, you can leave it and, and just improve on it from above by adding composted material on top. That way you let the worms do the work for you. They, they come up and eat the compost and then br- bring it back down with them, and they're creating all those air holes for oxygen to reach your roots. They're uh, breaking down your compost even further into a level that Uh, the plant roots can actually take them in and you're constantly every year improving your soil rather than depleting it and in this way you can really grow without um, having to spend money on lots of nutrients and you know the emphasis would be on outdoor growing or greenhouse growing indoors. I recommend the compost tea as a foliar feed and also as uh, something you give to the plants Uh, but don't discount composting. It's very important and um, it's a great way to get rid of kitchen scraps so you have less garbage going out into the world, less stuff going into landfills, and you're turning it into a very cheap and very wonderful plant food that's completely organic, and it's really the earth giving back to the earth, and it's a wonderful process. So.
1: And now you talked a little bit about you know, some of the methods for composting, but uh, why don't you explain a little bit why it is so beneficial to have that, that compost soil for your crop?
0: Well, uh, it allows oxygen to reach the roots. Basically, uh, if you add compost to a loose soil, it sort of uh, gives it uh, more uh, thickness. You know, if it's a real sandy soil and you keep adding compost, you're going to get a better soil. And if it's a clay soil, um, which is mostly what most people are dealing with, is like a thicker clay soil, it actually buffers that and loosens the clay soil into something that... You know, instead of holding all those nutrients in, in like that clay-like manner, allows air and water to reach all those nutrients that are locked up in clay. So um, really what compost does is just constantly improves on your soil and allows you to really not have to use a lot of nutrients. At some point, you know, it's just nature feeding nature, and that's how trees are able to live without plant food. You know, they create their own plant food by making leaves every year and then the leaves fall and decay and that nitrogen and that carbon in those leaves is released back into the soil and back to the roots and you know so you
1: could potentially get to a point where your compost is so uh so beneficial that you don't need to go to the store and buy the nutrients and add all that kind of stuff yeah, yeah
0: absolutely absolutely and that's just a matter of improving soil year after year um you know you're adding amendments you you can't just live on compost alone but Uh, It is important and it's a great thing you can do. And don't discount the oxygenated compost tea because that is absolutely an elixir that protects the leaves, uh, protects the plant from bugs, and feeds it in just a mild way that you really, it's very difficult to overfeed. You're not gonna get a lot of burning, but you just get all of these millions and billions of beneficial uh, microbes and bacteria and mycorrhizae that are created when you oxygenate that tea for over 24 hours or about 24 hours. And then, you know, you have to use it right after oxygenating it. You can't let it sit around. It's going to get anaerobic. And once the oxygen is out of it, all of those beneficials are going to die off. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's, uh, that's the tip on composting and we could talk, I could talk about it for a long time because, uh, I really studied a lot about it, uh, in order to understand plant science and soil uh, maintenance and the there's no better way to improve soil year after year than adding compost on top of it and just letting it work its magic
1: yeah and then in addition to that you're also uh you know getting rid of some of your scraps in environmentally and beneficial way. so uh yeah
0: check yeah, out and composting. scraps included i mean all the yellow leaves and And everything as long as your compost heats up enough to get rid of the potential you know bugs and and molds that might be present which like i said is about 180 and you know you can have a composting uh thermometer and you can actually stick it right into your compost pile or into your tumbler or you know there's so many different ways to do it and you can and you can check that temperature and then you'll know if it's if it's heating up enough inside but you know in the winter time you'll see steam coming off of people's compost piles it's it's really interesting the way that nature works. It works its magic because it heats up so much so that if you put your hand in the middle of a compost pile, it's it's hot to the touch in the middle. And uh, um, one side note on composting as well is is worm farming, uh, which is similar to composting except you're incorporating worms. And worms create a plant food that's just incredible. Uh, worm castings are an amazing amendment. And farming worms is not that difficult, you know, they reproduce pretty quickly, as long as you feed them right and keep them in the right temperatures and humidity, uh, they will continue to thrive and create more worms and eat a lot of your table scraps and all kinds of stuff. And it's kind of fun to see generation after generation of worms come come back and and all all along the way they're providing you with plant food uh, and an amazing organic amendment.
1: All right, very cool. So that's a tip on composting, and I'm sure there is more information available on hightimes.com if you'd like to check that out. What do you say we move on to my favorite part of the show, um, the question and answer? So basically, if you're listening for the first time, uh, you could send your questions via Twitter at Danny Danko, hashtag freeweed, or uh, email. It's freeweed at hightimes.com, and Dan will answer your question on air. So, uh... Let's get started. We have an email question from Elliot. I'm going to try my hand at Northern Lights this year. It'll be outdoors in Portland, Oregon. I'm wondering what steps I could take to prevent mold. Wow. Okay. Uh,
0: he said outdoors. Outdoors and in, in the Pacific Northwest. Well, uh, it is tough to prevent mold in that region. Uh, powdery mildew is quite a plague up there, so... Uh, good luck to you. Um, Northern Lights doesn't have a super long flowering time. So um, as long as you're not extending, you know, well into October or November with the flowering time, there's a lot less risk. But you know, um, any strain grown in the Oregon area is going to have some uh, potential for mold when the fall comes. Um, Outdoors, it's a little more difficult to avoid. uh, But Northern Lights isn't known as something that, you know, is specifically very prone to it. It's, uh, it's pretty acclimated to the region. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess I would say, uh, as far as steps that you can take, uh, just keep the plant very healthy and, uh, you know, the composting thing I talked about earlier would be great to help it fight off fungus as well.
1: Okay. Well, very cool. And uh, just a, a, a amendment to that, Elliot. Um, we recorded a couple of live free weeds. We mentioned that earlier when we were in Amsterdam. And uh, we had a panel on the first day. I, I forget who exactly was involved with that. That was uh, Milo and um, Brett, I think, from Apothecary. Yeah. I think it was Brett and Milo. And they really got into uh, some preventative methods for uh, both pests and mold, uh, because they are both um, very much fans of the organic grow. So uh, tune in next week, and uh, there is a special segment on those preventative methods if you want a little more detail on that. But thank you for the question. That was Elliot. Uh, let's go to Twitter now for our next one. Uh, Frank Malley Jr. writes, Is it possible that a girl with four weeks less veg time might finish earlier than a long veg girl? Uh, just for uh, your information, both are jelly
2: Um,
0: The only way that's possible is... Uh, if the conditions for the different plants were different so that uh, if it's the same strain, well, there, there's different phenotypes of jelly beans, some that finish sooner than others. So it is possible that one pheno finished sooner than the other, but it's also quite possible that one of the plants didn't receive as much light or food or water, and therefore there was a, uh, some sort of a delay in the development of that plant because a lot of times people think, you know, oh, I had bugs or I have... Uh, A deficiency or or I'm overfeeding and and they deal with that issue but they don't realize that the plant has suffered and had a week or even two or three weeks of a setback uh, in its growing period and it needs to recover and so that if the plant didn't do anything for a week or two you really have to scratch that week or two off the flowering time because um, you know the plant is developing at a slower rate at that point because it's been stunted For whatever reason so uh, basically i would say it's possible that the phenotype of jelly bean one finishes sooner four weeks is pretty pretty uh indicative of the fact that it's probably not a phenotype thing because they usually stay fairly close to each other Um, so i would say uh, you know if the conditions of the plant were exactly the same of each plant um, then that's something strange that i couldn't really explain but um, probably the conditions were somehow different for the longer flowering plant.
1: All right. Well, thanks, Frank, for that question. And uh, let's go back to email again, freeweed at hightimes.com. We have Xavier who writes, Danny and Mike, I love your show and wish it a long, bright future. I don't know what show he's listening to, but good for him. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I am Belgian and I'm living in Brazil. Uh, What low odor strain would you recommend for a gorilla grow in a semi-arid climate between the equator and the Capricorn Tropic? I'm sure you have something in mind for that. Uh, He says, preferably a a strain that flowers automatically any time of the year in those conditions. So a low odor strain. What do you
0: think? Um, You know, I'd have to go with something that's autoflowering and feminized. And I would go with uh, one of the Spanish producers like Dynafem uh, or Sweet Seeds, Uh, those companies that produce. Uh, auto flowering feminized strains because they are they tend to have uh, less of an odor. They're going to automatically flower in your region uh, regardless of the uh, the photo period, and uh, they're simple as well. So you're talking a gorilla grow. These te- these type of seeds you plant them, and 80 to 90 days you come back and you harvest, and you don't have to worry about males. You don't have to worry about um, you know the the flowering periods or anything like that. It's really just uh, plant and harvest, and so for your circumstances, I would go with uh, those type of seed banks that produce autoflowering feminized seeds. And as far as low odor, um, most of those strains are probably going to ten- tend to have a little bit lower of an odor, um, just because of the process in which they're produced and and uh, you know and where they're from. All right. Well, that was
1: very specific uh, like, between the equator and the Capricorn Tropic, but uh, hopefully that helps. And thank you, Xavier, for your question.
0: You know, I would uh, just preface that with uh, if you're asking for an actual strain, the um, highest yielding autoflowering feminized strain that I know of is called Moby Dick, and it's available from Dynafem.
1: And is that a low odor strain? Because I'm I'm a little it's, unfamiliar it's, it's with. It's
0: lower odor than than you know. Uh, strong odor strain, but it, you know it's still got. It's
1: what would what would be a strong odor strain? Would you say
0: uh, anything in the chem dog sour right, diesel Kush right. kind of family? Uh, you know, a lot of the hazes smell really strongly from far away if they're outdoors in a gorilla spot. But uh, but yeah. you're
1: saying you know high yield autoflowering and low odor Moby Dick from Dynafem.
0: Yeah, if you had to pick just one, I think I'd go with that.
1: Very cool. All right, check that out, Xavier, and thanks for your question. Uh, got time for one more? Yeah, sure. All right, let's do it. Um, Mr. Mann writes, now that Colorado and Washington made marijuana legal, how does that benefit the grower? And if, uh, how would it not benefit the grower? And a follow-up, uh, can a grower go there, meaning Colorado or Washington, and make a life out of growing pot?
4: Huh,
0: interesting. Well, I guess the first and foremost way that it benefits the grower is it keeps the grower out of prison that is a benefit yeah it's a huge benefit and it's one that is sometimes overlooked when this argument is made so also just a side note
1: there, pretty amazing in washington they're actually already starting to throw out court cases yes you know for for people who are on uh who had pending court cases regarding uh, pot possession they're they're already tossing them out it's pretty amazing yeah thanks to i-502 so congratulations to washington state but okay go ahead
0: yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, like I said, that's the biggest benefit. And you know what? Prices will go down. Absolutely. Prices will go down. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing for the grower. That's a good thing for the patient. That's a good now, thing. How for is the that consumer. a good thing for the
1: grower? Because um, I'm well, sure look, that some people would uh, the, the, would wonder that
0: the cost that the grower has been getting is inflated so much so by the risk that the grower is taking. So when you're growing in, 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 a, in a place where someone is going to put you in jail for 10 years, if they catch you, you're going to charge top dollar. And that's just a fact of life. But you're also going to be living a very stressful existence. And, you know, any of that, a lot of that extra money is going to go to ensuring your safety. And all I'm saying is if the price goes down, you can still make a living growing and you can live in peace. Yeah, you're not going to go to jail, right? You're not going to go to jail. Uh, People are going to treat you like a professional cultivator. You are going to be producing a product that you're proud of and you can... Come out from the underground, and be in the light of day, and it's immeasurable what that is worth. So all of you people who think that uh, you know it should stay illegal because otherwise I won't make any money, you're you're all dead wrong, and that's why this show is called Free Weed, by the way, too. And obviously I don't want it to be absolutely 100% free for everybody. I mean, in an ideal world maybe, but the the fact is, you know, $350, 400 dollars an ounce, you know, three thousand dollar a pound. These are prices that are so inflated as to be ludicrous for vegetable plant matter. So yeah,
1: those those are black market prices. And what's interesting is in Washington and in Oregon, you know, those prices had already dropped significantly. Um, oh yeah. if you look at the THMQ, that's our trans high market quotations every month in high times, the the prices in the East, like in New York City, you'll still see four hundred and fifty, even five hundred dollars an ounce. But for years now in Washington and Portland 200, 250 an ounce and, and that's not for you know crappy weed that's for high-end stuff there
0: yeah I mean and that's the way I would put it and if here's the thing if you think you can just move to Washington or, or Colorado right now and be a grower and grow in a big huge warehouse with a uh, hundred thousand watt lights, you can't it takes a serious amount of expertise it takes understanding how to manage huge amounts of heat, huge amounts of light. Um, an insect infestation, a, uh, any kind of catastrophe with mold or anything costs thousands and thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So you, you know that's a stressful existence too. When and you'd have to think
1: that there, those people are already established. They they've already built that kind of thing right. for them. And now that the, it but is legal in those states, there are plenty of growers currently in those states who have the upper hand. I would say so.
0: Sure, and but there are jobs as if, if you're a hard worker, you can get an entry level job as a trimmer, as a work uh, your way up, leaf of. inspector, as a you know an apprentice to a grower. You got to work your way in and work your way up. And understand what it's like, because if you're used to growing with a couple of thousand watt lights in a in, a, in an attic or a basement, and you think you're going to step up to you know a huge warehouse full of plants, uh, and not suffer all kinds of setbacks. Um, you're crazy, and I've seen it. And
1: well, it's like we always say on this show: like you know, growing pot is a, a, a lot like anything, any other industry. Like we work in the magazine industry, and you don't just jump in and become the editor in chief of High Times. You know, you have to put your time in and uh, kind of earn it. So, mm-hmm. not to discourage anyone from attempting that, you know, go there, but just realize that you are going to have to start at a certain level and work your way
0: up. Yeah, absolutely. But the sky is the limit. I mean you know like i said i started here answering the phones and breaking down boxes and here i am on my own uh 31st episode of a podcast that's right yeah <laughs> so and yeah. i'm here too i don't know why but anyway
1: <laughs> well we hope we hope that helps uh mr man and uh you know again i think on behalf of dan and, and myself and everyone at high times congratulations to colorado and washington yes. i'm very proud of you guys out there mason Tavert, rick Steed, Massachusetts, too, Holcomb. State. that's right medical pot there so a uh, great election day for weed and um, I think that wraps up our cultivation segment. You want to take a little break? Let's do it. All right, we'll come back and we'll put a bow on it.
2: Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Norman. My I smoke pot and I like it a
4: lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. Nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact normal at morml.org or
2: call toll free 888 67 normal.
1: Welcome back. This is the raw wrap up for episode 31. We are back in New York after a couple weeks in Amsterdam. And uh, Are yes. you sick? You feeling good? I am recovering
0: from cold, for yeah, sure. Everybody gets that cold when they come back. Yeah. You can hear it in my voice, I think. Yeah, a little bit, but... So, we're wrapping it up?
1: Yeah, we're wrapping it up, man. With raw. With raw. That's how we wrap it up that's here. That's
0: the only way I wrap it up. Every joint I smoked in Amsterdam was wrapped up in a raw paper. Is and that I, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's,
1: that's got to be about 200 joints. Oh, yeah. Minimum. <laughs> Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us for this episode. Uh, It's great to be back. And, you know, we're hoping to start turning these out at a more consistent basis. (laughs) Yeah,
0: well, we got the uh, seminars we're going to roll out. Uh, Thank you to Craig for talking about the judging process. Thanks to Scott. Uh, Congratulations on the two new awards.
1: And thanks uh, to everyone who was so cool to us over in Amsterdam when we yeah. were recording some live Free Weeds. That was a lot of fun. Oh,
0: that was a lot of fun. Thank all you guys for showing up and cheering and clapping. And uh, uh, Mason Tavert, thanks for coming out and being our Freedom Fighter of the Year. Thank you so much.
1: It was great having him there. And uh, if you get a chance, go check him out on Bill Maher. He had a, a really nice segment on uh, Real Time with Bill Maher on HBO. And um, he really represents the movement and legalization. You know, he's a, he's a great guy. So check that out.
0: Yeah. Shout out to Stephen Hager, uh, editor emeritus of High Times Magazine and founder of the Cannabis Cup, who we honored at the 25th Cup, and to the Dutch masters, Noel van Schaik and Vernard Bruning, who uh, helped to start that whole industry over there. So,
1: Yeah, it was a, it was a nice uh, cup because we really had an opportunity to look back and, uh, you know, honor Stephen Hager, who created the Cannabis Cup, and honor some of the, the Dutch masters, you know, Vernard and Noel that Dan just mentioned. So very, very cool cup. Uh, for us and i think you know we're we're back and we got
0: to recover a little bit but yeah it's good to be back free weed free weed you got anything else no just uh you know (laughs) thanks for being patient and, and and waiting a long time for this episode we will try to maintain consistency in the future and uh we feel it from you guys i feel it on twitter i feel it on facebook on instagram so just keep keep uh encouraging us and we'll keep doing what we're doing thank you episode 31 officially cashed
1: oh, I don't want to end on a sad note but uh, it's worth uh, mentioning yeah. uh, Cashy Hyde passed away after yeah. a long battle with uh, with cancer very sad the youngest uh, medical marijuana patient in the country and um, yeah, thanks to uh, the laws changing in that state uh, wasn't able to continue getting his uh, medicine and yeah uh,
0: much love to uh, Mike and Callie Hyde and uh, the whole Cash Hyde Foundation and um the two remaining children as well um you know we feel for you guys and thank you for everything that you've done
1: uh, go make donations if you'd like cash hide foundation.com
0: yes please rest in peace cashy